an amazing guest that we've got today. Uh, she is the host of the Social Scoop podcast, uh, the founder at uh, Your Social Mate, and she helps entrepreneurial creators become more profitable business owners. Would you please welcome to Dealcasters, Kristen Bosquet. Hi, everyone. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thank you for coming. Look at the, what did you call, what did you call that, uh, that office behind you? What did you call it? Your... So this is my clothis, my closet office, because I've got my whole desk set up over here, but also like my whole closet's on this side. We're short for space. So here we are. <laughs> yeah, adapt, right. overcome, love it. Yes. Also, I really feel like I want Oreos now that you guys just had that oh. entire conversation about Oreos. <laughs> On Amazon, we should put the Oreos and maybe some milk and some glasses, yeah. maybe in the carousel. So you're an Amazon influencer as well, and right. so um, is your is your Amazon shop on on Amazon? Is it is it the same handle as as everything else? This uh, this right here on the, that we yes. put on the screen. It's K. Yeah, and if you're on. Yep. If you're on any of my platforms too, it's linked in my bio. So I share a lot of like photography equipment, um, like different backdrops that I use, but also a lot of just kind of office things that I like to use a lot. So I update it pretty frequently. Very cool. Very cool. So if you're just now joining us and you don't know yet who Kristen Busquet is, uh, we've been really digging your stuff because... Kristen, I think a lot of people, when they get into the content creator thing, and I think Amazon has opened up the door you know, for a lot of people that are maybe four-digit, not five and six-digit subscriber and follower level. And when, when they get into this whole content creator thing, there's not really necessarily a manual out there. There's not like, no. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, how to do uh, TikTok for dummies. I mean, there's, you know, maybe somebody's written a book by now, but I mean, by the time it's printed and published, it's changed, right? And so right. one of the things I really like about your stuff and your content when you're, when I do, when you're working with content creators is you're sharing these things that are sort of the practical tips and, and, and strategies for someone who has never had experience maybe with having a conversation with a brand. Um, and uh, they may not have like the, the level that you do in terms of Instagram and TikTok followers. Yeah. So how have you, um, how have you worked to, to build that business for you at SocialMate? Yeah. So my journey actually started a really long time ago. Back in around 2008, I started a blog and this was really so far before influencers. I don't even know if influencer was like a term at that point. Everyone was like a blogger. And I started a blog. I lived in a small town in Massachusetts and I just wanted some way to kind of express myself. And honestly, I just, I've, I've rode the wave all the way until today where we've had so many different platforms that have, have come and gone. And Instagram is really where I think I, kind of hit the jackpot in terms of building my community. I realized that platform was the one where I was really able to build like this loyal audience of people that every time I share something, they actually care about what I have to say and they're actually reading it. Um, and then TikTok came along. So I also kind of transitioned a lot of my audience there and I've been growing there as well. But over the last however many years of being in this kind of creator industry... I've just learned so much and I realized going through it by myself that there, like you said, was 
no manual. It was all trial and error, which obviously took so much time. And I made so many mistakes along the way that could have really been easily avoided if I had any sort of guidance. So that's why I actually started Social Mate was really just to kind of be that guidance and hold people's hands throughout the whole process of building a business as a creator. I feel like there's a lot of information out there, but it's kind of all over the place. So there's not a lot of really great places where you can go to get everything you need, but also get, like you said, very timely information because it's all changing literally every single day. Yeah. So Kristen, and and that brings up a good point because like right now, like say for an example, Chris and I as creators, you know, we we had focused a lot on Instagram and then you start hearing people say, like, oh, well, you got to be on TikTok. And it's like you you start to sometimes like, is it really going to help me that much to to go to one or the other. And then, you know, you saw Instagram was trying to become more like TikTok and people started literally online protesting. And so Instagram said, oh, okay, okay, we will, we'll, we'll kind of, you know, pump the brakes a little bit and, and yeah. try to be more Instagram. What, what are your thoughts on those two? Or do you think that all these platforms are trying to like copy each other and, and there's like we're losing that originality? Yeah. I mean, Instagram for me, will always be like my favorite platform because I was a photographer long before I was a creator. So I really love being able to share, you know, high quality photos, but it does stink because Instagram is shifting to be such a video platform. So almost the photos almost don't get as much recognition as they used to, which is discouraging. Um, I will say I actually resisted getting on TikTok for a while. And then Maybe I think it was November of 2020. I said, okay, I'm just going to do it. Like I have no expectations of what's going to come out of it. And honestly, I'm so happy that I did. I've realized that my audiences on Instagram and TikTok, while they're both interested in the same things, they're very different people. And so I've been able to kind of like reach a bunch of different people, like some people who are really looking for a one-on-one experience to to learn the ropes of this whole industry but then other people who just want to consume a bunch of you know small content they want ebooks or they want you know little seminars and things like that so i've been able to really you know touch on a lot of different categories of building my business of being on both of these platforms so i don't know i always encourage people to get on both of them i think it's overwhelming to try and consistently share on both platforms because it's a lot of content to create. But I think once you get your systems in place, it becomes a lot more manageable. And also TikTok is a lot more casual. So you can almost have just less of a production and kind of like more on the fly videos. So it becomes a little bit less stressful, I guess. Um, We actually just did an episode this past Tuesday on Social Scoop about how to be consistent on multiple platforms because you have to get those systems in place for it to work or you're going to go crazy. <laughs> yeah, and I love how you 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 are on all of the tubes, you're on all of the things. And this is we encourage this as well. But it's also just so intimidating and so daunting yeah. for a content creator to go, "Oh my god, how am I going to do? Oh, I got to do a Pinterest thing, I got to TikTok, I got to do Instagram, I got to tweet it, I got to, you know, all of all of the things." Yeah. And so what happens, I think, a lot of times is in, instead of doing what you're doing, is you're looking at each one of these sort of individually and you're thinking about the audience there, right? You're, you're saying, okay, on TikTok, this is what I'm seeing people resonate with. On Instagram, this is what I'm seeing people resonate with. I'm experimenting with all of these kinds of things and I'm building 
my tribes, my audiences, my, 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 you know, whoever is following me up a hill on TikTok may not be into me on Instagram, the kind of thing. Right. What about content creators that say, I don't have all of this time, so I can't be on all of these things. So maybe they're taking and creating a 59 second video. Um, and maybe throwing some subtitles on it and they're using it as a YouTube short, as TikTok, as Instagram. Like they're using the same piece of content. Is Would you recommend them to do that maybe at first and kind of see what sticks and then be able to change? Like how did you, how did you create different types of platforms for your singular brand on these different pipes? Yeah, it's, it's definitely challenging because again, like, you can definitely repurpose content, but that doesn't necessarily guarantee that it's going to perform really well on each different platform. Um, so I guess there's a couple of different things that I recommend. First, I would recommend doing what people call a creator sprint. So this is where I think when you get on a new platform, it's really helpful to do this. So if you were today to go join TikTok, I would say for maybe 30 or 60 days, you go in and just 30 to 60 days of posting anything and everything, different topics, different formats, different links, different trends, all of the different things that you could possibly think of. And you spend those 30 to 60 days just not even worrying about building that community, not worrying about, you know, sticking to a niche or getting brand deals. You're just really trying to experiment and find out what actually works and what doesn't work. But also what's sustainable for you to create, you know, like I really like making videos of different outfits and things like that. But can I make those every day? Absolutely not. I would go insane. <laughs> so you find what's sustainable, but you also find the different topics or the different formats that start to really work for you with your audience. And then you're able to kind of grasp it a little bit more. So then from that point on, you know a little bit more of what's going to work and what maybe you should put more of your energy into. Um, but I also would recommend too, like, I think repurposing content is, is a great, great thing to do. It's really such a time saver for creators. If you were to make one long YouTube video, maybe a, you know, 10, 20 minute YouTube video, you take clips from that and put it onto, um, TikTok. And then maybe you do an Instagram post where you share some of the, you know, a list of the tips that you shared in that YouTube video directing people maybe back to listen to the whole thing if they want more. And then you can make a pin of that as well. So I do think that repurposing content is the smartest thing to do. Um, but I also outsource too. So I think that's something not a lot of creators really think about because our our life as creators, it feels so personal. Like we're the only ones that can do it because our content is typically of us. But I have a actually a Pinterest manager who she just pulls from all of my content I haven't touched Pinterest in months. <laughs> so she keeps it all going. And anywhere that I feel like maybe this isn't the platform that I know the most about, which is Pinterest for me, that's where I say, okay, you can just handle it. I'm going to leave it to you from there. And then she can kind of keep that going for me so that I don't have so much on my plate too. So let's dive into that a little deeper because that's a very interesting uh, you know, concept or tactic. Yeah. So you're so you're creating the content and then she just takes it and kind of says, okay, I'm going to make this Pinterest-like or does she maybe sometimes say, hey, could you do this or that because that'll work better on Pinterest? How, do, how does that work? Yeah, so typically, she, most of the time, she's just pulling content from what I'm already creating. So if I create a, a TikTok video about here's five tips to get brand deals, 
she'll go make a pin that's a graphic that says five tips to land brand deals. And then it directs over to that video. So she kind of just makes the, you know, the visuals a little bit more Pinterest friendly. But there's also times where usually in the beginning of the month, she'll say, hey, these are the trends for this month of, of what's trending on Pinterest. And usually it will be like, you know, influencer tips, or maybe it's, um, you know, how to land holiday campaigns or things like that. And then I know to just create more content around those. And what I've found too is typically when she gives me something that's trending on Pinterest, it's usually something that's also kind of interesting on the other platforms as well um, or relevant on the other platforms. And so I usually just kind of will take those Pinterest terms that are trending and I'll create TikTok content or Instagram content. And then again, she can use it on Pinterest as well. I love that because you're talking about, like you talked about before, like creating a YouTube video and then just repurposing it and chopping it up and and utilizing it for a particular platform and sort of testing it out. But I think what you're talking about too is when you do outsource that, and we're huge fans of investing in this as a business for yourself, including like saying, hey, listen, I don't know that much about Pinterest. By the way, that's me too. Um, and so, you know, so why not find someone who is absolutely passionate about it that wants to do this to further their career? So they need a sandbox to play in. And so they're encouraged to do that. And you're you're outsourcing that with a little bit of money in terms of your investment. And not only are they getting you additional audience on that platform, but you're taking that content and saying, you know what? I happen to be an expert on this other platform and actually that really works for this as well. So you're so you're almost double dipping with that with that content there, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, she almost kind of she's helping a little bit with strategy too when she's telling me these are all the things that's trending because Pinterest especially, like Pinterest is a search engine more than it's a social media platform. So you're getting more of the information about what people are actually searching which is going to be pretty much no different from what they're searching on TikTok or Instagram or YouTube. So it's really, you get that insider information and then I kind of just spread it throughout all the platforms. Yeah, it's. It, I think the underrated, you just, this is a huge, and I'm sorry, Jim, for interrupting, but I just want to underline and punctuate this especially. And people all the time, you know, Kristen, you're a podcaster as well. People all the time will come to us uh, and be like, well, I just don't have time to do a podcast. And maybe they're doing a live stream already. And they don't understand. Sometimes it's about putting that content out as a podcast and maybe finding people that are in that audience, right? But you just touched on this. Most of the time, it's about SEO. It's about getting found. It's about a search engine. And you know, Google loves podcasts. You know, and when you type in Kristen's name or you type in social mate and you type in social scoop, you type in these words, your podcast populates. Your Pinterest page is a great search engine, right? YouTube, there's a reason why YouTube is so popular. It's it's a massive search engine. It's the number two search engine in the world. So if you're focusing yourself just on one and you should do the one you're most passionate about. I'm a big uh, proponent of what you're talking about, which is create real estate for yourself on these other platforms. If you have content, you don't necessarily have to do it every day, but you're going to get found from some stuff you did two years ago, possibly, that you put up there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important to be on both of those platforms, like some that are a little bit more focused on search, which could be like a blog or a YouTube or a Pinterest. And then also the more algorithm-based, you know, platforms as well, because 
then you're able to, first of all, have that more evergreen content on the search-based platforms where, again, like two years later, you could still be making money from the same post. And then at the same time, you have more of that algorithm-based platform where you never know what's going to happen. You never know who you're going to meet and who you're going to get in front of. So you can kind of dip into both of those. I think that's a, a good plan. So Kristen, and because and, you said you started out as a blogger. So are you still heavily involved in doing blogs or have you kind of morphed more to where you do more social? Or are you still kind of like, you know, hey, blogging is where I started because you, you're talking about search. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely haven't put as much of an emphasis on blogging. Um, right now, the the biggest form of blogging we do is actually taking notes from our podcast episodes, turning those into blog posts. And then actually, again, we repurpose those on Pinterest and everything as well to drive people to the blog, which drives people to the podcast. Um, so the blog is really mostly kind of like our show notes where we're giving here's the the rundown of what happened in this podcast episode, all very SEO-friendly in hopes that they will also dip into listening to the whole podcast. Excellent. Just to you know, follow up on this, because we've got a comment over here uh, on Amazon from uh, our friend Fabian at uh, Jarhead 6 Rides. He says his top five videos on his main channel this month uh, did them like seven years ago. So... Crazy. Like, yeah. And I think... Um, a lot of people, and I just want to roll this over to you, Kristen, because you know people when they when they're going to click on all of these links, and I'm sure they're clicking on them right now, they're going to see just a content machine, right? They're seeing a lot of stuff going on, and um, they're they're probably wondering how you do it. How how does that that machine? And you talked about kind of um, you know uh, working with someone on Pinterest, and maybe you do that with with other things, but I think. I want to transition into something I know that you're uh, more passionate about, which is, you know, dealing with uh, what's going on between the ears as a content creator. And when all of the things are happening and you've got someone who, you know, imposter syndrome, like, how could I ever do this? How could I ever be this? How can I do all of these things? And maybe what this is, is not necessarily their main thing. Maybe they're doing, you know, they've got a family that they want to pay attention to and they've got a main job and this is a quote unquote side hustle. How do they continue to to do that and, and balance all these things mentally? So I just wanted to roll that uh, you know over to you because I know that uh, that you're you're you spend a, a lot of time in that space and working with yeah. content creators there. Yeah, I mean our business is based on keeping the soul in social media because I think it's really really easy for you to almost get into this cycle of I have to pump out content consistently, consistently, consistently. And people start to think that consistently, consistency means frequency. And that's not necessarily the case. You know, like you don't have to post three times a day on TikTok. Sure, it might help you grow faster because you're putting more content out there. But at the end of the day, if you posting three times on TikTok every single day is going to make you literally have no your brain is going to be mushed by the end of that then it's not necessary you know you have to i think do a lot of trial and error and i know for me in the last few years of having my business and the podcast and my own content creation brand deals and all of these things going on i've done a lot of trial and error to really figure out how i can manage all of that and definitely like outsourcing has been a huge part of that i think for me, as someone who's a very type A person, I am a control freak. I don't like to give other people my work because I know 
It's not going to get done the way that I personally would do it. So it was really hard for me to do things like outsourcing. But at the end of the day, you know, like I put those systems in place for my team so that they can do it, even just give me a first draft, you know, and then I can go from there. And anything like that, that's going to make my life a little bit easier and take more of those tedious tasks off of the, off of my plate is definitely something that's going to, I think, help with my mental health and make me not get burnt out. Cause creator burnout is so, so real. And I don't think a lot of people talk about it enough, but it's really, really easy because these platforms not only expect so much out of us in terms of post frequency and all of those things, but just the, the aspect of putting yourself out there on the internet for thousands, millions of people to see and dealing with all that comes with that, I think is a whole challenge in and of itself. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of people, especially in the Amazon uh, community, talk all the time about trolls. Uh, you know, they talk about people that are coming in their chats and, and, you know, there are sort of tools in place to be able to kind of, you know, squash them. But, you know, the, the, probably the larger you get, the more, the more that, that compounds, right? Yeah. Um, so what are, what are maybe some, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to touch maybe on, we can put the trolls aside for a little bit, but you, you talked about uh, uh, burnout, content creator burnout. And um, I think a lot of times that happens and you couldn't see it. You couldn't see the edge of the cliff, right? So I know you've gone through it yourself. You've spoken to other content creators that have, and you've worked with other content creators uh, to, to power through that. What are maybe some of the flags? What are some of the, the things that, that you need to be kind of preparing yourself uh, for that you don't run into that burnout phase and you don't run into something? Because I think a lot of times what ends up happening is, is you quit or you or maybe not quit, but you, yeah. you, know, you put stuff on the shelf and um, you put stuff on the shelf and then all of a sudden it just takes even longer to build yourself you know, back up to being found. So what are maybe some, some practical things that you can maybe look out for uh, as a content creator? Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest red flags for me is that when I just cannot think of one thing, one idea, you know, when you go to sit down and plan your content and you have literally nothing, I just feel like that is where I I realize I need to step away and go do something, go outside, go for a walk, you know, go take a weekend trip somewhere and come back a little bit more, you know, inspired or refreshed because I think it's really easy to you know, we're like idea machines, idea robots. We're busting out ideas constantly. And I think that mental challenge that it is to be consistently thinking of new ideas is definitely a way to burn out really quickly. So whenever I start to feel like I literally can't even think of one idea, I'm so tired that my brain is just not even computing any sort of creative ideas. That's one thing that I always realize, okay, it's time to step back and go do something technology-free. Um, I definitely think that also when you find yourself like very consistently being negative about the platforms, um, that's definitely something that I realize, okay, like my mindset needs to change because if I keep staying and living in this negative mindset, there's no way you're not going to burn out after that because you're doing something that's making you miserable every single day. And that's, you know, we, we didn't quit our nine to five jobs with mean bosses to work for 
ourselves being an even more mean boss. Um, you know, that's I think about that all the time. So whenever I, I realize that I'm being really hard on myself or, oh, my post didn't perform the way I wanted it to, like, oh, I give up. Whenever I start to feel those things, that's another sign to me that I shouldn't be feeling that negative about this platform. I have a lot of really great opportunities. I still have a great community. Everything is fine. But I think it's mentally really difficult to kind of get yourself out of that. So I typically typically will take a step back at that point as well. I'm going to add something that Chris might find controversial. So uh, just going to warn everybody. Do you find, do you end up sometimes running into, I'll say, potential creators that really, you know, because I think one of the things that's happening, I was like, oh, it's the creator economy. There's, there's money for everyone. And, and personally, I don't think that's true. Everybody yeah. is not going to make money. And, I, I, you know, not to say that we don't all have the potential, but I think what people miss, I mean, you talked about it. You said, I think, was it 2008 you said you started doing this, right? Yeah. This didn't happen overnight. Right. You didn't get here overnight. It's a lot of hard work. And I don't think people see that. They think there's an easy button. I, I mean, how do you yeah. deal with that sometimes when you run into people that are maybe like, well, you know, I did all these videos and I'm not getting anything out of it? Well, I, I totally agree with you, first of all. I, I agree in the way that, yes, everyone has the potential, but will everyone actually follow through? Absolutely not. Um, so many people, I think, look at the world of being a creator and they're like, oh, I get to go on trips and I'm going to get free stuff. And I just get to post a couple of videos and I'm going to gain like 200,000 followers. You know, like it, people, especially I see this all the time on, on TikTok and Instagram where people make videos, how I gain 20,000 followers in five days. First of all, that's very much not realistic. It happens to a very, very small amount of people. But I hate seeing those videos come out because I think it sets up really unrealistic expectations for people on the outside. So they come into it and they think, okay, well, like I'll just post some videos and, you know, like I'll gain a bunch of followers and make a bunch of money. But at the end of the day, being a creator and, and running our businesses is just that we are running businesses. I, I try to explain to people all the time all the things that I do. And that's, something that on my TikTok and on my reels, I share a lot of. Like I try and show people all my spreadsheets and all my planning and how much time I'm spending on emails and reading contracts and all of these things that people had no idea is even part of being a creator. Um, and that's a huge part of, of my platforms is really showing the realistic side of being a creator so that you can figure out if it is right for you or not. Because I think there's a lot of people who want to be creators, people who go into it thinking it's easy and they're not going to make it out as a profitable business because they had no expect, no real expectations of what it was going to be like. Yeah. And, and I love to uh, Jarhead6 is talking about, you know, the fact, and, and Chris talks about this, it's the rented land thing, right? You could be on a platform, the platform yeah. could disappear or like what we're seeing now, things change and what worked for you last week doesn't work anymore because the platform's decided it wants to do something else. You know, we talked like you talked about earlier, right? Photos used to be really big on Instagram and now people are even a little concerned like, well, if I'm a person that does the great photos, what's the platform where I can get visibility, right? Right. And not everybody wants to do video, but all the platforms seem to be pushing video first. 
I mean, it's, yeah. uh, it's really, you know, interesting times. Yeah, yeah, I think if you've got a uh, if you've got an ear and eyes for your audience, like like you do, Kristen, then you'll you'll find a way, and you're in the people who have trusted you through, you know, Instagram when it was primarily photos and hardly any video, and now you know, like they'll the those are the people you want with you when you take them to the next mountain, uh, whether it be right. from other you know piece of rented land or your own land that you're. That you're bringing it uh, to. I wanted to maybe go back a little bit because you you touched on something I think is is something I I never really even think about um, because I you know going back to sort of the uh, looking for the edge of the cliff as a content creator and and uh, you know how do I you know the, the burnout thing how do I avoid it before it's already upon me and you know I'm I'm down for three days you know laying in my bed cowering wondering if I can get to three thousand subscribers on YouTube. So one of the things you said I thought was really really good and practical and for people who are listening you know watching on on any YouTube or on replay or whatever I think this is so key um, and this is something that I'm going to do myself because. You know, lots of times you just get to a point where you're like, I know I need to create something, but I don't have an idea. I really don't. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, well, you know, and then you're, you're really struggling with it. And so personally, and I know a lot of other people do this as well, is they just, they immediately go back into their screen. They go back into their artificial intelligence machines and, uh, you know, word clusters and all of this great software that's out there um, to maybe get that, or they'll go to a platform and see what somebody else is doing and then try to make a Xerox copy of yeah. a fax copy of a written napkin of somebody else's thing that 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 they were doing and then try to try to emulate that. And it's really not them, right? It's them trying to be something else. And then right. and then, you know, maybe that doesn't that doesn't and so. I think what you said was really key was like, if you can't come up with an idea, just pull the plug and go and do something that will help you and your brain and your you as a human being be creative. Because everything that you've already put into your mind and your body will come up with something creative. You just got to go for a walk or a run like Jim is doing 12 miles before we go live or do whatever makes you happy as a human being mentally and physically or whatever. And then just be with you know with yourself or your community to generate thoughts that can create that content and be open to saying, oh, wow, that's a really good idea to, to do content instead of going back into the screen and going back to trying to do yeah. what somebody else is doing. I think what you said is so key and really needs to be uh, punctuated. Is that something you feel like a lot of people are doing is just kind of like trying to copy other people? Yeah, honestly, I, I definitely do, especially because I see so much of the exact same things over and over again. So I'm sure that there is a lot of that going on. But it really is so crazy. I think as creators, we get so deep in our businesses that like we're we have the blinders on so much that we literally have no idea that we even need to step away. And I always realize this every time I like go on a weekend trip or I go on vacation, I get like I have my couple of days of, you know, like I'm I'm away from the computer, I'm feeling great, I'm relaxing. But then I'm so excited to come back to work because I feel like I just I'm so refreshed and I have so many new ideas um or even i've been i've been actually trying to t- 
take self-care, like make it such a priority for me in my life. And I actually started making content out of that, you know? So like, I it's forcing me to actually take care of myself because if I want to, you know, have my next video in the series, then I've got to do something that I can record that's self-care related. So um, that's something I've actually been doing as of recently that really is forcing me to take care of myself. And it's cool to see I've actually been getting a really great response on it. So, you know, it makes me want to do it even more, which is, you know, a really, a really great thing, um, a good position that I'm in for sure. But sometimes I even, as of the last few weeks, I've been trying to do like some things that are a little out of my comfort zone. Like I, I took a ceramics class. I, you know, I, I went to a journaling class, all of these kind of different things that I really would have never done. But you'd be so surprised that when you're not using your technology, like thoughts are actually happening in your head and you actually can think of some cool stuff. So it's worth taking a step back when you feel like you're kind of out of ideas. And even when you're not. Yeah. I've taken some of your advice. You know, when I'm running now, I'm listening to music. And Chris Chris yeah. says, listen to music every day. And I think that really helps spark creativity. Yeah, it's it's true. Cause a lot of the times, like I think about, you know, when I was really burnt out, like if I had free time, I wasn't listening to music. I was listening to podcasts. I want to learn more. I want to always think about my business, you know, like I'm almost never unplugged. So that's again in the last month or so been something I've I've really been trying to do, you know, technology free things. And when it is technology, I'm listening to maybe like coffee shop music, even just something that's gonna kind of like bring me, bring me down and just kind of even me out. Yeah, there I, I was uh, there's a content creator who will remain nameless because they they shared this with me in confidence. Uh, but they actually put a voice activated device in their shower. Uh, because they they that's where their best ideas came from when they were in the shower, cool. com, you know. Because think about it. I mean, when you're in the shower, it's not like you're thinking about you know maybe a, a TikTok thing that you're putting together or like that. Almost is like one of those moments. I mean, it, I hate to, they're just getting really uh, you know whatever. But I mean, lots of people go to the toilet and they're still on their phones, right? <laughs> um, you know, it's it's a thing. Um, and so, but you can't really, people aren't bringing their phones into the shower, right? Um, yeah. And so put a voice activated device in there and all of a sudden it's like, well, I had this idea, but then I got to putting makeup on or getting myself ready and the yeah. idea is gone. You know, you put a voice activated device in your car and in your shower. And now all of a sudden it's like some of these ideas, you know, are, are being generated while your brain is being unplugged from your device yeah. and you can apply it there. And, you know, listening to podcasts is great for influence. I mean, I love watching, you know, TikToks like, your, like yours when you were, you know, doing the ceramic class and you, you posted, you know, little clips in here and you yeah. see backstage, so to speak, of the, of the life of content creators. And that's all great. But you actually did that thing and you actually use that and utilize that from a mental health perspective. So you can really do both, right? You can you can unplug right. yourself, but also, you know, hand the phone to somebody and say, hey, you know, like video me doing this, you know, for 15 seconds or whatever. And then that's content right. when you sit down going, I'm going to apply this to my vlog or I'm going to uh, apply this to something I'm doing later after you've come back and you're refreshed, you've rebooted. And uh, you can you can apply that. This is some really great practical stuff. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, this is a huge part of our business is is making it sustainable for creators to run businesses. Again, like 
you know, it has to be, you can't be setting up expectations that are very unrealistic for you. You know, like you have to find things that you can sustainably create. And if me doing all of these things outside of being a creator is a great place to get content, then that makes it so much more sustainable and easy for me to be consistent because I'm not having to like skip doing all the things outside of my business that I want to do so that I can create content. You know, like I can do both at the same time. Also, side note, maybe a couple of years ago, I had this, uh, it was like a suction cup notepad and pencil that you suction onto your shower. And I actually got it on Amazon. So that's a good thing to check out if you're watching on Amazon. <laughs> Quick, put it in the carousel. Lightning deal right now on, uh, on Amazon. Amazing. So how, um, how often do you go live uh, on Amazon? Is that something... Do you, do you bolt it onto an existing uh, sort of multi-stream that you do? Or do you do a specific Amazon live when you do go live? So I actually don't go live on Amazon. I, I have my ah. Amazon shop where I link everything there for people mm-hmm. to kind of go on there. But it's just, it's one of those things where it's on my to-do list. Mm-hmm. We're going to get there eventually. But for now, I'm just sharing all of my products where people can kind of just go check out the shop. Yeah, that makes sense. And there's a lot of people that are doing exactly that. Like it's it's a, not only just a, a way for you to get incremental revenue, but you know, a lot of content creators don't realize how much maybe um, you know uh, associate revenue they're maybe leaving on the table by not having a place in, you know on Amazon because you've built this trust level with you know people who are following you and people who are you know and then maybe you're you're showing something cool off whether it's an outfit or whatever like where are they going to go get it I mean if they have to make two to three clicks they're probably not going to get to it. Yep. And if they are going to get it, you're not going to get any commission revenue because they found it somewhere else. And so, yeah. uh, you know, Amazon's kind of making that real easy. And why wouldn't you do that as a, as a content creator? Do you do a lot of affiliate revenue? Is that an important part of what you do? I know you were blogging, so I'm sure that was a big part of that. Yeah. Um, affiliate, I take on very specific affiliate partnerships. Um, I find that a lot of creators will take on any and every affiliate partnership that comes their way. And I think that's tough because if I'm going to take on something that is an affiliate partnership, it's got to be something I'm talking about pretty frequently. Um, because, you know, like if it's a specific brand or a specific product that I'm working with in a, on an affiliate basis, um, I need to be talking about that so often in order for me to actually make something that's kind of, you know, relevant, um, to, to be considered there. So typically I, I only work with, I think I may be working with three to four brands right now on specific affiliate partnerships, brands that I organically talk about all the time, Um, like certain platforms that I'm on for creators that I think are really great tools for creators. Those are the ones that I I am more active on. Um, But I think a good thing about something like Amazon is you can link so many different things that people can kind of just go to your shop versus just, you know, like having one product. So I think if you are going to be dipping your toes into affiliate marketing, Amazon is a great place to be because obviously, again, you can just have so many different options for people there. Um, But outside of a marketplace like that, where you are working with individual brands, I think they have to be things that you are consistently and organically going to be talking about. That's a, this is such a great conversation. I feel like there's so much we haven't gotten to, but you you brought <laughs> up brands and we, we have to go there. I mean, obviously, as a content creator and someone who's done this for a number of years, 
Um, you know, we had Justin Moore on the show. We've had Monty Weaver on the show. And these are, these are people that we call brand whisperers. I would consider you uh, one of them uh, as well. But talking to a brand in 2008 is a lot different than talking to a brand in 2022. Oh, yeah. And so, um, and things have changed and things will change next month. And, you know, and so um, I think a lot, you know, sort of going back to, you know, what, what this audience mostly is, is, um, you know, a content creator that has aspirations to do and have conversations with brands, some that are having conversations with brands and have made mistakes and others who have been in the game for a while and want to get better at having conversations with brands. Um, you have a different brand than what we have. Um, uh, clearly, you know, we're speaking to sort of, we are speaking to content creators, but we all speak, you know, it's more tech and more, you know, for us. And, and yeah. you have some tech stuff going on and, and you clearly know, you know, a lot about that, but your audience is not, you know, oh God, the Rodecaster Pro has come out. So, you know, Kristen's going to do an unboxing. It's, that's not true. Right. <laughs> you know, that's not your deal, right? But speaking to brands is something that applies to you know lots of different people, uh, you know, content creators in general. Um, when you're working with people on your social mate, um, what are what are some of maybe the uh, the pitfalls that people can avoid when having a conversation with a brand? Their inbox gets filled up because they got accepted as an Amazon influencer, and there's all kinds of companies with names you can't pronounce and. Um, you know, all of a sudden they're getting approached by, uh, you know, maybe a brand that they really want to work with, or maybe they want to be able to reach out to them. What are some, some practical sort of tips, you know, language that they could use, uh, approaches that they can use in terms of, uh, you know, conversations and, and, uh, you know, communications with these brands? Yeah, I think this is definitely where a lot of creators make their mistakes. I know for me, as I was going through all of this again with no guidebook, I absolutely made a lot of mistakes there. Um, one thing that I tell all creators to remember is that any partnership that you get into with a brand, it is a 50-50 partnership. So, you know, it's very easy for creators to say, oh, well, they're hiring me, they're paying me. So like I have to do whatever they say. And I think a lot of creators get taken advantage of in that way. Um, but also, it's mostly because those creators don't really see their value. They don't know their worth. And again, it kind of goes back to that imposter syndrome thing of like, oh, well, if this brand only wants to pay me $50, like, I'll just take it. It's fine. Like, you know, I'll go for it. But they really should be getting paid $500. Um, so I think thinking about it as a 50 50 partnership will kind of help you throughout the whole communication process. Um, when you are communicating with a brand and they're asking you for things that maybe aren't fair to you or are leaning a little bit more towards being fair towards the brand um, or in their best interest, it's up to you to be able to speak up and have the confidence to say, you know, that actually doesn't work for me. And I think so many creators get afraid to say those things because they're like, well, if I say that something doesn't work for me, they're just going to go away with the whole deal and they'll be gone and go on to someone else. And honestly, from my experiences over the past, I don't know, however many years, that's not typically what happens. Usually once you're already in talks with a brand, they're going to be you know, more lenient to hearing why you don't want to do something or why you don't want something in a contract. And they usually will work with you to make it fair for both parties. Um, so having the confidence to speak up, I think when when something doesn't feel right or when something doesn't feel fair, 
I think is a really, really important skill for creators to learn. Um, But aside from that, honestly, I will say every brand that I've worked with that rehires me, they all say the same thing to me. They say, it's so easy to work with you. And that's because I am sending them my content on time or early. I'm labeling all of my content in folders so that it's very easily, easily found. You know, they can, they can search for whatever they need and it's, it's organized for them. At the end of the day, if you can make a brand look good or your, your contact look good to their boss, they're going to want to keep rehiring you. And if you can make their life easy, because typically when brands are working with creators, they're not just working with you. They're probably working with 10, 20, 100,000 other influencers. So if you can make their life easy by, again, being very quick and easy to um, communicate with, you are being very diligent and organized and detail-oriented. Those are the things that they're going to really value. Even if your content is subpar, being a great brand partner will absolutely get your foot in the door and make you want to, you know, them want to rehire you time and time again. So those are the things that I find um, definitely help me when, when working with brands. I love that because what that does is that it, it God, this is money. So, you, you know, if you're a content creator and you think um, you have to have six and seven digit subscribers and followers in order for brands to have conversations with you, it's not correct. But when you do right. have those smaller amounts and you have, you're thinking, well, there's tons of other creators that they're speaking to that have more followers and subscribers with me. The what you can control is how professional you are as it relates to working with that brand. And if that brand says, yeah, well, you know, this particular creator, whoever you are, uh, you know, may not have an audience that these other creators do. But you know what? When I talk to them, they respond to me. When they come back to me, they may have, you know, they may tell me no on a couple of things and they may, it may cost me something. But it's worth it because I get the content back that I can send to my boss. And I think a lot of people don't realize like when you're having a conversation with a brand, you're not talking to the CEO, ladies and gentlemen. Right. You are talking to somebody who is on an org chart, you know, maybe close to the bottom. And that person has to deliver something to their boss that you yeah. have something to do with. And so if you can make that person look good, that person calls you back. And then you're having a a relationship with a brand. And I think it's just another thing that I wanted to underline uh, when it comes to being a content creator is be a pro from the start. And um, it will will bode well uh, for you. And I think the other thing too is when you're having a conversation, let me speak to this, Kristen, if you would, is they turn on that gaslight when they say... Um, you know, hey, um, this these other content creators did it for free. They just, you know, I just sent them product. How do you deal with that gaslight when it comes on? That for me is a huge red flag. Like if a brand ever is going to say, well, this person did it for free, my response is, okay, well, then I'm glad you're working with those people. <laughs> Let me know when you have a budget. Because I, I'm not going to stoop down to other people's level. I know my my value. I know the what I bring to the table. And so again, it, it's up to me to be able to say, that doesn't work for me. That's not fair for me. I'm not sure why you would expect me to work for free with a platform that I've spent years and years building that is absolutely worth something. And I'm confident that you're going to make money from it. Um, so whenever I'm in those situations, those I kind of write off as brands that I don't even want to work with. They might just not even be good brand partners because they clearly don't see the value in what I'm bringing to the table. 
And I don't want to have to prove myself too much. You know, like I have no problem if a brand is like, let's see your stats. Okay, let's show them. But if I'm showing you all of that stuff and you're still questioning whether I'm going to be a good brand partner or not, then you're probably not someone that I want to work with. So, you know, it's it's okay to say no to brands and it's okay to not work with every brand that comes your way. I promise there are more brands out there that will come and you will work with them and everything will be great and they'll see your value. So it's really all about waiting for the right brand to come along or again, pitching to the brand that that feels like a good fit for you because not every brand is going to be a good fit. That's awesome. Uh, One last thing is, so what would you say to a content creator that is looking at opportunities with brands and one of the stipulations is must have uh, uh, IG following of this, must have TikTok following of this, but you still want to approach that particular brand. And you may, you may be not too far, but far enough yeah. away to where you know, they're, they're setting that benchmark for followers. Um, and so are you able to... Like, is there some sort of way to continue to to say, hey, you know what? Here's the value I bring, even though I don't have this many subscribers or followers? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think for some campaigns, there are going to be set requirements like that. And if you don't fit those requirements, I don't know that it would be necessarily worth applying to that exact campaign because they are looking for something very specific. But that doesn't mean that you can never work with that brand. So typically what I actually teach in terms of starting a connection with a brand is actually um, to kind of plant those seeds. And then when things do come along, you'll be kind of top of mind. We actually have um, a free masterclass. It's called the anti-pitch method. Um, I literally have not sent a pitch email in... I don't even know how long. Um, because I just don't think that the cold pitch email really works that well anymore. Everyone says the same thing. They're all the same. You know, you don't have the opportunity to really get to know anyone. Like it's a very cut and dry, um, kind of tedious, boring process that I don't think brand partners really care to read everyone's pitch. Um, so typically what I teach is to find the people that work at the brands start relationships with them, send them an email and just say, hey, introduce yourself. And then maybe you say, I'm really excited that you guys just launched this new cleanser. Like, I'd love to hop on a call and hear what else you're coming out with in the next six months and not ask for anything. You know, just start to build relationships with these brands because then when the next campaign does come around and they're looking for, you know, micro influencers who have under 10,000 followers, you've already got your foot in the door you already know the people that work at those brands and that you're going to be first person that they think of. Um, so it's all about timing with brand partnerships. You know, you can send out 100 pitch emails, but again, they look the same. You might not be the good fit right now. Then you never get a response. So instead of spending all of that time copying and pasting the same pitch to a million different brands, just spend the time building high quality connections so that when campaigns come up that you are a good fit for, again, you're top of mind. Awesome. That is, that is, God, that is money. <laughs> I think she brings up a great point and, and she hit on it earlier, right? It's like, if there's a, a product or a brand that you love, right? And you're a mic, you don't have those numbers, just do, start doing content where you highlight that stuff and they will notice you. Uh, I, I think that's, that's, we've seen that happen with us, Chris. 
you know, exactly. we exactly, you know, engage with them on social, provide right. that, show them that you can provide some value to them outside of whatever that, that prerequisite subscriber follower account is show the value that you do have. And, you know, again, you know, be, be patient and just so many, like, this is one of those shows, Kristen, where I'm just going to have to go back. I'm going to do a transcription or something. I'm like, there's so many gold nuggets for content creators um, here. I, I think, especially the mental health piece and, and content creation, sort of looking at the flags uh, to avoid that, to keep yourself sort of creative, uh, creative, and creating that content, and all of these tips, and speaking with brands. I'm I'm so glad that we got to have you here, our southeast neighbor uh, from Charlotte, North Carolina. <laughs> um, you know, it, we're we're sharing this this ridiculous humidity here in the south, and uh, you were willing oh. to to join our show, our little show here on Amazon. It's so amazing to have you here. Um, and for those of you who are watching and or listening on the uh, on the podcast, go to yoursocialmate.com. That's where you get all of the stuff and you can connect and the masterclass and the email list and all of the... Trust me, when we say we're on all the tubes, we're not on all of them. She's on all <laughs> the tubes. And uh, we've, we've been flashing up the TikTok and the Instagram and the YouTube. This is all in the show notes, ladies and gentlemen. Whatever platform that you love to hang out on, uh, you can hang out with uh, Kristen on those and uh, even connect with her on LinkedIn uh, as well. So um, Kristen, thank you so much for joining us on, uh, on Dealcasters. Is there anything else that we've we've forgotten. I wanted to give you sort of the last word before we sign off. Man, I don't know. I think we we dove into pretty much everything here. So I hope everyone got a, a good nugget of information and is feeling inspired to go do what they need to do. Uh, but thank you guys so much for having me on. This was so much fun. Thank you, Kristen. Nuggets galore. And as always, don't fear the gear. Thanks for listening to Dealcasters. Congratulations. You've taken another step forward in your content creation journey. Please don't forget to hit the subscribe or follow button here in your favorite podcast player so you can be reminded every time we drop an episode. We love hearing from our listeners and viewers. And if you're wanting to watch our shows live on Amazon, feel free to follow Dealcasters Live as well at dealcasters.live. Follow us on Twitter or subscribe to our YouTube channel where we also included added content that you cannot find anywhere else. If you have questions about this episode or have something you want us to review, you can also email us at dealcasters at dealcasters.live. Thanks again for listening, and you know the deal. Don't fear the gear.